Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for I want us to be reminded of David's prayer, what David prayed for in 2 Samuel 15 and 31. Check this out. Someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And friends, God can turn even the smartest guy. He can shut it off. And if you can't see covenant promise and you start working against the Lord in sin because you want your own gain out of it, I don't care how fancy you've been your whole life, how great you've been, the Lord can shut it off like that, like a TV set. Boom, you're out. Covenant prophecy. You've got to be able to recognize the covenant that's going on in this world. Ahithophel lost his ability to see the covenant on David. But we have Hushai in the picture. David prayed against Ahithophel's advice, but also in chapter 15, verse 34, David told Hushai to go back to Jerusalem and defeat the council of Ahithophel. So Hushai is going to be there to not not only is David's prayer in action to turn the advice of Ahithophel into foolishness, but Hushai is going to be there to add one more layer on top of it to mess Ahithophel all up, okay? David was out there in the wilderness helpless. And look what the Lord is doing back in Jerusalem while David's out there waiting. It's like Mephibosheth. He's being, he had people against him. He's being lied about. All he can do is, I just looking for my covenant king. That's all he can do. That's good stuff though, isn't it? God knows what he's doing, friend. Second Samuel 16 and 21. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, here, oh, see, here, here goes his great advice. Ahithophel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on top of the house, and Absalom went in to his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now, the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the advice Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. And they pitched that tent on top up there. What do you think the tent was for? Come on, guys. Friends, this guy is getting together with women that his dad had, okay? The act of going in to take the king's concubines, it was the ancient way of someone to say, I'm the king now. I am now the king because I have now taken over the former king's women. You might remember Abner. He tried to make the same move here in 2 Samuel 3. He tried to take the throne away from Ishbosheth, but Abner tried to do it in secret, okay? He tried to go take King Saul's concubines. 
But Ahithophel advised Absalom to enact this custom publicly. Do it where everybody sees you. They're going to put a tent way up on top so everybody around can see. What's that tent doing up there? Oh, look at that. Absalom's going in. Oh, really? He's really going to do that? They will see it publicly for everybody to see. Why did Ahithophel say that? Because he wanted to get all of Absalom's supporters all flared up for battle against David. He wanted to rally a revolution. He wanted to get everybody mad. And then when they get everybody mad, then we'll go out and man, then we will do some damage. Now, the unspoken flip side of this coin here that we haven't seen yet is that typically whenever somebody tried to steal the throne, once they were successful at taking it, then the next step was to eliminate, that means kill, anyone that still supported the previous king. The new king takes out the old king. You wipe everybody out so that there's nobody left. Now, this is why Jonathan, who was Saul's son, this is why Jonathan wanted to make a covenant with David. You remember that? When Jonathan recognized the covenant call, Jonathan could see it. Hushai could see it. Mephibosheth could see it. Ziba could not see the covenant call on David. Absalom certainly couldn't see it. And Ahithophel, I'm trying to get all these names, Ahithophel, with all his great wisdom, he could not see the covenant king on David, okay? But Jonathan was able to see it. Jonathan could see the call on David's life to become king, even though Jonathan was the son of Saul. And he knew that when the new king came in, that the old king should be gone. All the competition's going to be gone, too. And that's why he wanted to make a covenant. Look at it right here in 1 Samuel 20. Jonathan said, And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. You see that? The new king takes out the old king, and Jonathan wanted to be spared, and that's why he made a covenant with this new king. Those of you that know my Jesus parallel tactics, you see where I'm going with this, I hope. The new king takes out the old king. That's how it was done, and that's why Jonathan wanted to get under a protective covenant with the covenant king. Oh, that's good. I will unload that on you in a little bit. And so we've just now got to consider the depth of what Ahithophel actually said when he advised Absalom to go take the king's concubines. Take David's concubines, but then the next phase would be kill all those who oppose. Do you see what Ahithophel just said? He didn't just say, go take the concubines. He's, he's saying, we will implement step one, then we will implement step two. Ahithophel's advice was in direct opposition to prophetic covenant that the Lord had put upon David. And the terms of that covenant, let's be reminded again, I want you to be acutely aware, is in 2 Samuel seven sixteen. It says, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. So guys, I hope you can see that Ahithophel's advice for this takeover had murder on the horizon. And to think that verse 23 tells us that the advice of Ahithophel in those days was as if one had inquired of the oracle of God. But Ahithophel couldn't see covenant. He just gave advice that would try to go against God's 
covenant. And friends, that eternal kingdom through David comes all the way down to Messiah Jesus, who would come and die on the cross for yours and my salvation. You see how bad that that advice of Ahithophel is? Don't get caught in that kind of selfish political game playing, okay? It's not good. He was Mr. Wisdom, but now you can see how fast somebody can absolutely lose it when they play with sin. You can lose good discernment in a blink when you mess with sin like this. So let me broaden the scope real quick of this, this story here. Satan, our enemy, he was trying to kill off David's line so that the son of David, Jesus Christ, could never arrive to establish his eternal kingdom to fulfill the Davidic covenant. Think about it. If Satan could kill off David's line and thwart God's covenant into being a failed covenant, then Jesus would never have shown up in David's line to pay for our sins. He's never going to come in the future either to return and sit on the throne of the eternal kingdom either. And guess what? Every last one of us would be condemned for all eternity in a place called hell. Do you see how bad this is? Most people look at the gospel and they read about how Jesus was hunted down right before he was born. Hey, he was being trying to be hunted out of the line centuries before he ever showed up in Mary's and Joseph's time. Look at this. Isn't this deep? Can you see how far-reaching this story affects us still today? And so, guys, guess what? I say, praise God that he is able to keep his promises that he can keep his covenants, that he keeps his prophetic word. Every prophecy that God ever made to Israel, not one of them fell to the ground. They all stayed. And guess what? God knows how to keep his covenant promise. And I want to tell you something about prophecy. You ask people about prophecy, I'm not really that into it. Look at this. Revelation 19.10, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Friends, God operates through prophecy and covenant, and gosh, prophecy is its the very story of Jesus himself. I just showed you. So when you are asked about prophecy, oh, I don't really care about that. You're saying you don't care about the, the very story, the very testimony of Jesus himself. How can you be a Christian and say you don't care about it? Guys, I hope you're getting a, a dose of some good knowledge here so that you can correct yourself and how you view things. Guys, you got to look at the world, not through politics. Look at it through covenant. Look at it through prophecy. If you look at it through the world of politics, you're going to think this whole world's coming to just just pieces. But if you look at the world through prophetic covenant, man, you're going to see that everything's going exactly the way God said it would, and you'll be able to sleep better at night. <laughs> it'll, it'll ease your mind. It'll give you peace to know that God is in control. No, everything's going crazy. Uh-uh. God's in control. You're just looking at it the wrong way, okay? Throughout the centuries, people have tried to hunt Jesus down. They've never been able to take him out. They're never going to be able to take out Israel, okay? There's too much covenant in Israel. There's too much prophesied stuff in Israel that hadn't even come to pass yet. It's going to work. You watch. God can hold it together. But even with Ahithophel's wicked advice here, can you see how way back in history, in 2 Samuel 16, Satan tried to cut off your salvation. The line of David had to be set as the Lord said it would be. And now here's Ahithophel saying, here's what you need to do to take David out. Guys, look at this. God can hold his covenants together. I want you to see Philippians 1.6. This is so good. Be confident of this very thing, 
that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's will cannot, it will not be stopped because he's God and he can hold it together. Now, remember that David sent Hushai into Jerusalem to mess up Ahithophel's council. In the very next chapter, I'm going to give you a spoiler. Okay, it's not really a spoiler, but it's good. It's too good to be called a spoiler. In the very next chapter, Hushai is going to bluntly tell Absalom straight to him, bold move guy. He's going to tell him, dude, Ahithophel's advice is not good. Second Samuel seventeen fourteen. So Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai the archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel. For the Lord had proposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. Friends, God's will is going to go. It's best to get in line with it and don't try to rival it, okay? God is able, God is powerful, and God's will cannot be stopped even when mankind's very best intellectual, very best track record, the best guys that ever functioned in whatever capacity they've always operated in, even those guys cannot get in God's way. Aren't you glad of that, that nobody can stop God's will? I'm so glad of that. And you know, when people try to get in the way of your walk with God, and you know they do, I want you to understand one thing. Know that God knows how to send you provision. Even though Ziba staged a big deception, I still believe that the Lord brought David bread and transportation even through what Ziba tried to do. David still got some provision out of it, didn't he? Likewise, with Shimei's taunting of David and cursing him, David perceived that the Lord's hand was even this affliction. For David's own benefit. How do you say so, Ray? I want you to weigh this in with your own affliction. Here's what it's for. Instead of saying, why does God let bad things happen? Wait a minute. Hang on. What do you mean let bad things happen? The Lord. It says the Lord sent him. It, when the floodwaters came in Noah's time, it, it, the, the floodwaters didn't just show up and God goes, oh, well, I'll just let it happen. It says God sent it. Okay. Look at this. Romans 5 and 3. It says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. That's hard to swallow there, isn't it? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. (laughs) Guys, like David did, we too should trust the Lord in our afflictions because it actually builds us up into the traits that we need to possess as believers. We need to have these certain character traits. It's easy to shake our finger at Ahithophel and Shimei for not recognizing the covenant king. Oh, why are you doing that? Why are you being like this? Well, wait, well, wait a minute. If we are to recognize our covenant king, Messiah Jesus, then we should recognize that an unbeliever's hostility against you, when they try to push you and provoke you and they kick sand and throw rocks at you, so to speak, or figuratively, and they try, they say bad things about you. Friends, that is an opportunity. It's a godly opportunity to show them through our self-control what godly perseverance, what godly character, and what godly hope looks like. They may not listen to you tell them the gospel, but when they come and talk against you or work against you, when they see how you conduct yourself with self-control and godliness, that's going to get their attention. That speaks louder than mere words, okay? And so it could be that the Lord 
will look upon your affliction and will repay you with good for the affliction that somebody else is putting on you. And it could be that the Lord's using it to build you up, to build up your character, and it also shows the unbeliever. If you fire back at people like Shimei did, then you can't show them the traits of a real believer, can you? You see how good that is? Romans twelve seventeen: repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of only the people that agree with you. No, doesn't say that. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men, if it is possible. As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That's a tall order, isn't it? But you know what? God is able, and if you're in Jesus Christ, he'll make you able too. Don't say, oh, I can't do it. I'm only human. Don't say that. You're only human. <laughs> if you're in Jesus, you're a human under covenant, okay? That's, that's bigger than just only human. You're not only human. If you're a believer, man, you got more than that going on. The whole, remember, the Holy Spirit has been given to you. And like we've seen in the past, whenever a new king takes the throne, the old king must be put to death. That's exactly why Jonathan wanted that protective covenant, okay? Now, there's a lot of people out there in the world. They want to be king of their own kingdom. They're building their own kingdom. I'm going to build my money. I'm going to build my houses and my cars and my stuff. They're building their own little kingdoms, right? There's a lot of people that want to rule their own lives, and that's why they will not accept Jesus Christ. That's why they won't make him king of their life. But for those of us who have made Jesus our king, the old king had to die. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The new king takes out the old king. My old king that I used to rule my world was crucified. He's dead. He's gone. I know people that I've lived in the same town I've always lived in for my whole life, and people see me, and they remember the old Ray. And they find out I'm saved by Jesus, and I'm a pastor, and they don't buy it. And they're like, no, not you. <laughs> I said, yeah, me. I said, but, but we remember the things you did, Ray. I said, I know. That guy's dead. My new king, Messiah Jesus, took out and destroyed the old king, and anything that would support that old king, he took it out. Now, remember how quickly... Jonathan wanted to get under a protective covenant with David because he knew that king was coming. He understood very well. The new king takes out the old king. Friends, you have to know that giving your life to Jesus means that you die. But if you want to survive the takeover of the new king, you need to get under his protective covenant. Hebrews 9.15, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. For the redemption, which means the buying back of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise. The promise. Can God not hold up his promises? We've already seen that today. So that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. That's eternal life, guys. Guys, don't allow the old politics game that we're all so caught up in these days. Don't let that selfish gain from that drive you into blindness. If Ahithophel had been able to recognize prophetic covenant, then he would have known, he would have said, he would have said, nobody is going to take the throne away from God's covenant king. Friends, I want to tell you, nobody is going to take away the throne from Jesus Christ, God's covenant king. Luke one thirty one. 
You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. You see that? That is the Davidic covenant that Ahithophel tried to take out. It says the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will do it. Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. That means it's eternal. That's the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant right here. (laughs) Friends, are there times when you feel helpless? Do you? Oh, I know you do. Some of you are probably listening to me right now saying, Ray, that is exactly where I am. Mephibosheth was helpless to defend himself from Ziba's slander. And there was nothing David could do but evacuate Jerusalem and wait upon the Lord to work things out. Both of these men had no way to fire back. And gosh, even when David could have ordered Shimei's execution and fired back, he would not do it. Why? Because both of these men knew it was better to remain loyal to the Lord and let him do the work to vindicate them. Friend, I know you've got trouble. I know there's absolutely nothing you can do about the trouble you find yourself in. And it has you so distressed. It has you so worried. And it's just sapping the life out of you right now. You feel helpless. Your natural instinct is to try to fire back. And that's why you're involved in so much extra conflict. Friend, I want to tell you, all you got to do is pray and trust your covenant king, Messiah Jesus. Nobody is going to take his throne away from him. No one will. Trust in him, and you will be vindicated. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Friends, we believers who can recognize covenant, we know that nobody's ever going to take Jesus' throne away because the prophetic covenant of God is in Jesus Christ. If you really believe that, then you won't be like the slandered Mephibosheth, the the other Mephibosheth that I had you thinking about before, before we ran to chapter 19. (laughs) You won't be like the slandered Mephibosheth who was looking to build his own kingdom. Oh, the kingdom's coming to me. I'm going to be it. Rather, you will be like the real Mephibosheth who is willing to set aside all the possessions in the world because he was longing for the return of his covenant king. Remember, Mephibosheth said, hey, for Ziba, let him take it all. I'm just glad, my king, that you have returned to me. Friend, I look for Messiah Jesus to come back. Take all this worldly possession, all these things. There are so many people, even prosperity preaching, oh, name it, claim it, you can have anything you want. No, no, I say take it all. Y'all can have it. Keep it. I'm just looking for my Messiah Jesus to come back. Because I'm not going to be vindicated by all this wealth and all the money and all the cars and all the things that people want. It's not going to do me any good. My Messiah, Jesus, will. I'm going to be vindicated. I will be experienced victory through him, even if people try to cut me down and say bad things about me. I don't need to fire back. My Lord Jesus has got this because, Titus 2.13, we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. You don't need to press on for having this and that and the self-gain and all that. You don't need it. You need your Messiah, your King Jesus.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.